Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as the creator of an app that helps lonely monks find love called Shrinder, but in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts, or just visit recode.net slash podcasts for more. Today, I'm in San Francisco with my co-host, Casey Newton, the Silicon Valley editor of The Verge and host of the upcoming podcast on the Vox Media Podcast Network. You know how to say that, Casey. You have to say it with a great, grand way. Yeah. Um, Casey is joining me for several episodes of Recode Decode this month, and today, his fourth and final week on the show. Are you ready for your own podcast? I, I knew I was going to get my walk-in papers from you eventually, <laughs> but it came too soon. Well, can you snatch the pebble from my hand? It's <laughs> an old reference for older people. Um, but we're delighted to... That was just the worst show ever. But we're delighted to have two guests in the studio with us. So you have two two people to work Double here. Double trouble. All right. Zach Stafford and Trish Bendix, the editor-in-chief and managing editor of the digital magazine Into. It's a queer lifestyle magazine published by the dating app Grindr. Zach and Trish, welcome to Recode Decode. Thank you for having us. Thanks. So I'm going to let Casey take it because you're going to run the show today. All right. right. Do do my best. (laughs) Plus you're an active user of Grindr. I I am not. I certainly have been. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) Yeah. And we're we're going to get into all my Grindr stories. Yes. Wowie wow. Okay. We're always looking for them. Yeah. But but for, uh, there may be a handful of straight people listening to this podcast. So for their benefit, uh, tell us what Grindr is. Yeah, so Grindr is kind of the first geolocative social networking device, uh, or app rather, not device. Uh, it's primarily used by gay men, uh, but lately we're seeing a lot more folks under the queer umbrella using it. So it was the first app to really utilize a grid or cascade system to show you who's close by, who also is on the app. That probably in the beginning was just another gay man. Um, and it works anywhere globally where you're at. So it's kind of like a real life gaydar. Right. So what was interesting about it, years and years ago, there was another one that was similar technology. And I actually called up Jerry Yang, of all people, <laughs> and said, you've got to invest. I think it was m2mforsex.com. I think it was something like that. Hmm. It was something. And I was like, this is location-based, and you can find people, and you can just, you can, it, they, it would sort them based on your preference, your sexual preferences and things that you like. And, they, and he was like, no one's going to use that. I'm like, oh, you're <laughs> wrong. Gay men will. They They'd absolutely will. Exactly. And it was a really interesting, uh, at the time, I was sort of fascinated. Fascinated, and that one didn't work out. It was mm-hmm. a little pornier, pornier than most. Yeah. But um, the location basedness was sort of pioneered by gay people, essentially. Yeah, a lot I, of the internet was. By yeah, the way. a lot of the internet <laughs> was, and I think gay men were the first to really use GPS technologies in this way. So this is around two thousand eight, two thousand nine, uh, when the iPhone kind of comes out and is really becoming what it is now. Um, so you see, gay men really okay with having their bodies shown on a grid and being able to be found at any moment. And a lot of it's because they assume it was just only other gay men. So it was an in-group mentality. That they got used to. Um, so there were other versions of Grinder that sort of coming out that were trying to cater to women or other gendered folks, but it was really gay men that were the most kind of successful on it and feeling the most safe around it. And then you see Tinder launch, which uses a swipe tool um, that doesn't show you who's as close by you. Like I'll be in my apartment sometimes and someone says they're 82 feet away. And, you know, that could be really freaky to some people. I know it's my neighbor, Joe, but it's fine. Um, but in the beginning, that really freaked people out. And I think gay men in the beginning really were always looking for each other in close close spaces. Um, and due to cruising culture and other versions of or parts of queer culture, um, this kind of closeness was okay for them. But mm-hmm. now it's grown and a lot of people use the this type of system to find love. There really is a kind of genius to it because for most communities, uh, you would never want to let 
anyone know, you know, how physically close you were to anyone else. But for for gay people, that's actually oftentimes like the most important thing is like, are there any other gay people around yeah. me who I can talk to right now? Uh, so, and and I do think that without Grinder, there is no Tinder. Like, I think you can definitely see a direct connection. Yeah, I would yeah. say that I said that before I worked at Grinder. I was like, yeah, that there's an obvious kind of culture there that gay people always lead the way, whether it's in books, media, or even hookup apps, if you want to call them that. Um, so it is really magnificent to see it grow and people become really interested in connectivity um, because you're right, gay people are always looking for each other. I remember when I was uh, in college when Grindr came out and I used it in Chicago and I went back to Nashville, outside of Nashville in a smaller town and I realized that there were a lot of gay men in my town that I had no idea were there and that for me made me really excited to go home over and over. So now being a part <laughs> of the company, I was like, so oh, it's different. Talk, Trish, one of the things that's also is that gay, talking about gay pioneering and we're talking about the media stuff because that's, you guys are mm-hmm. doing something different which we find, we're not really clear why you're <laughs> yeah, we, we need to know why you no, want to get to the Before we get to that, sure. I mean, one of the things, one of the chapters I wrote when I wrote a book about AOL in 1997 mm-hmm. was one of the chapters called The House That Gay People Built, mm-hmm. essentially, because AOL was the first meeting point. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you are old enough to have used it, but it was, it was I, I certainly am, but it was a certain a place where people could acknowledge that they existed, all kinds of outlying groups, essentially. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm 34, so Mm -hmm. I was old enough that I was on AOL. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't know I was gay until I was 20, so Mm -hmm. I I wasn't able to (laughs) capitalize on it like I should have. Mm -hmm. But um, I think for me, moving into my job at After Ellen, where I spent 10 years, the Mm -hmm. forums, the community, were my first real foray into seeing how women met each other there. Lots of women would um, meet in the coming out forums and the Xena forums in very specific fandoms that they met their partners, their wives. And mm-hmm. so um, to me, it seems like a, a direct parallel to now where we're moving into like with Grindr and all these dating apps where um, there's content and dating and, you know, relating to people, you know, in the same space. Well, yeah. you, you you worked at After All. What did you do there? I was the, um, when I left, I was editor-in-chief. Editor I started in chief. as the blog editor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Separate, yeah, that was started by, who was the founder? Sarah Warren. Sarah w- yes. Warren. That was a really interesting time. My my ex was the CEO of Planet Out. Yeah. So that was the mm-hmm. other early, early, thing, yeah. which was a, not a competitor, but it was a, just a different paradigm, which was a content site. Right. It was a content site. And bef- of course, before that, there was the Advocate and Out magazine, mm-hmm. which was, and they had digital versions. And at one point, Advocate was going to buy Planet Out or mm. Planet Out was going to buy the Advocate. I think that there was all kinds of different machinations going on at the time. But we talk about uh, just very briefly after Ellen, like that content space, because sure. and, and then the others that were available, yeah. like Planet Out and others. Yeah, I remember reading Planet Out. I mean, at the time, um, you know, in my, I, yeah, I came out in 20 um, and I was reading the very few LGBT sites that were available and any that covered women specifically. Mm-hmm. And so that was, you know, fewer and farther between, sadly, and still sort of the case today. Um, but after Ellen was created in 1997, right after Ellen came out mm-hmm. um, on television, because Sarah Warren was trying to find any sort of um, writing or community space about visibility, representation for LGBT women. It just did not exist. So she had to create her own. And then from there, there was, you know, fewer um, depictions of lesbians on television and film, but, um, you know, they kept growing and, you know, eventually we got the L word, which was a huge boost for Mm -hmm. uh, after Ellen and for lesbian community and culture in general. But um, it was mostly about entertainment and um, visibility. So it started a lot of more like academic essays, but then it became TV recaps and then it became um, movie reviews. And then, uh, you know, lesbians just found it as the number one lesbian site. So then it started to open up more into lifestyle. So um, it really broadened with the community. It was 
what do you want, women? What are you coming here for? Because there's not really any other home for you on the internet. So, and Zach, you go back, plan it out, because I think that was probably the biggest. It was the biggest. It yeah. Was backed by AOL, it had yeah. funding. It had I don't know, thirty million, lots of funding. It was huge in the early '90s, yeah. and then it kind of teetered off as we hit around the 2000s. But it was a content site. People did also the dating it didn't profiles. Didn't shift into dating as much. It didn't shift into dating as much, but there were ways to connect with other people. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the beginning of a lot of the gay blogs and gay websites, like gay.com or dating. They merged. They merged. And they gay. Were net merged with gay.com and then gay. They all merged. With, yes, they all together. came together. So they were combining in the very beginning of all this of digital queer space. There was content and hooking up um, mm-hmm. and connecting all in the same space. So that's kind of like the genesis of the internet for queer people because we needed one space to do everything together, just like the bars became that too. The bars is where you got your local gay paper. It's also where you got a drink. It's also mm-hmm. where you at, organized. Mm-hmm. So these kind of spaces sort of replicating digital and physical. Um, and that's what we kind of see us doing now. With yeah. Apps. So that's like, I think a great place to talk about why Grindr decided to get into yeah. the media business. As a, yeah. as a company, uh, Grindr has made money before uh, by advertising in the app itself. And then it sells subscriptions so that you can have what frankly are essential features such as push notifications. <laughs> um, but now it decided it wants to go into the media business. And I think it's unusual for me and Kara yeah. uh, as people who are in what is honestly the most difficult business in the entire world to sort of carve out a sustainable space for yourself mm-hmm. to see a software company which tr- tr- uh, traditionally has like super high margins. Why would they want to play around in the content space? So tell us a little bit about how this whole thing came about. Yeah, because you're going so planning out did have mm-hmm. go through its difficulty. I remember when the grinder people came to see me at the mm-hmm. time because that's who you you know and Megan at the same time mm-hmm. like talking about it and I was like yeah do the dating. I was yeah. like that's where you're going to make the money mm-hmm. like because content even then was hard to do. Yeah, it is. It was going to be something else. Grinder was going to be I forget what it was, but it was going to be more of a lifestyle site. Yes. So there and we've been and this is part of that kind of effort to expand the uh, the brand obviously. Right. And a lot of it's just a response to how users started using the app. So as we saw in the beginning, people were using Grinder very kind of in myopic ways. They were only thinking of it as a hookup app. But then right. as they started Traveling. That's what it is. Yeah, well, this is what it was built, I no. guess, in many ways. Um, but it was a way to connect with other people. And then when people were traveling to other cities, they were realizing, oh, I could turn it on in Barcelona and meet other people around me too. If you did want to hook up, that could happen. But you also could get restaurants and get other recommendations, which harkens back to kind of these other queer spaces. That's where Wait, travel was, the, was a big. What was the travel in GayCon? Or it was there was a travel. There was a, I forget because then it went to Out Traveler after that. Yeah. Out Traveler kind of took over the space. But yeah, so there was always like there travel was, in these spaces. Yeah, so this the, is a safe area. This is a, exactly. there was a ton of that stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So um, as the app has grown, I mean, every day we have 3.3 million people on it that spend at least 54 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. You don't spend 54 minutes a day only hooking up. That's mm-hmm. like impossible. Some of us would love to try to do that, but we don't have the time. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Zach. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, Casey. <laughs> he has things to do. He has video games but to play. I have a whole other life. Um, and what we realized through our users is that they were on there looking for other things. They were looking to meet, but they're also looking for information. They were, And when we did surveys, they, we found that they wanted content too. Um, so we thought, well, let's not just Join, let's join these things together and see what happens. And in the very beginning, in the beta testing before Trish was there, it was really successful. Um, we saw people really interested in various forms of like uh, content that wasn't just travel or sex. People assume that on Grinder, all we do as editors is commission like sexy things, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that's not true. We did. All a, we do here. Yeah, I thought so. I, I assume with Recode, um, yeah. very sexy. Um, Today, but, <laughs> new features on uh, the iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> but what we saw is that they were really wanting to see themselves in a, a variety of ways. I remember we did a test around um, Syrian refugees doing a pageant um, and we pushed the content through there and it had huge click-through rates because we can blast it right into their phone, into the app, whether in their inbox or in an interstitial. 
And we saw them really sitting in there. We saw duration times of like three minutes. And I think it just kind of spoke to young people, not only wanting to see other queer people in the world, but they wanted to see content that was really dynamic like they were. And because we reached so many places, we saw, especially as editor-in-chief, I saw like, okay, now I need to commission work in Georgia, uh, the country of Georgia, that are by queer queer people there and about what they're going through on the ground because we're actually city touching by them. city. Yeah. Um, how is that different from Snapchat, Trish? I mean, the, the Snapchat is added on. It's a mm-hmm. communication service, uh, right. which is not, it's not a hookup service, although it could be, I don't know. Yeah, probably not hookups, but definitely <laughs> no, but a lot of, we'll, definitely a lot of nudes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a lot of nudes flying around on yeah. Snapchat. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. the concept of, um, of using, of introducing content to, to when they're doing something else. In yeah. that case, it's communication. In this mm-hmm. case, it's meeting. Definitely. Well, I think what Grinder has been so successful at is really being able to read its audience and what kind of things they're looking for. Um, speaking for myself, you know, on Snapchat, I tend to click away from the things that they give me. I don't think they really read me very well. I think we have um, the ability to know what is going to work and what's not going to work. And I, I've only been here for three weeks, so I'm much more new than Zach. <laughs> but um, they have been able to test, survey, do everything they can to make sure that the readers are basically going to respond positively to what they're given. And everything has been successful so far, I'm happy to say. But, um, you know, I'm also brought on to Into to make sure that queer women feel like there's a part for them at Into specifically. So um, while I'm under the umbrella of Grindr, um, Zach probably can speak better to those <laughs> sorts of things because I'm not uh, I'm not as much of a user You don't use Grindr every day? That's <laughs> crazy. Let's talk a little bit about how, how this stuff gets delivered. Because yes. uh, so uh, I, I, I do not have uh, Grindr. It's been about six months since mm-hmm. I've had on my phone. So um, I would like to know uh, about how it may have changed because when I use Grinder, you'd open up the app, you see the grid of everyone yes. who's close by. Um, there was no kind of tab in the app where you could see stories. Is that something you guys are, are working on or you're, you're sort of sending in-app notifications? Explain how, yeah. Yeah. How yeah. yeah, so there's different slices. So currently Slice 1, we are playing with kind of the tools we have uh, there so that the Grinder user experience doesn't change terribly much. So when you log on to the app, so when you go home and download Casey, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're allowed to be on right now, what you're partnership situation is. But when you open it, um, there's two forms of content that you can get. You can get a interstitial or a pre-stitial that drops down and looks like a magazine cover. And we treat those like magazine covers because they're in front of millions of people every day. Um, so that's hyper-curated content that can go global, um, but we can also specify it by city or area. Um, you also can get an inbox message. Uh, so when you go into where you get messages from lots of men hitting you up, I'm sure. Just, just uh, countless. Just countless, <laughs> overwhelming yeah. messages. Mm, You'll get one that uh, isn't into and it's branded as into. And the mm-hmm. brands look very different uh, because Into does live on its own website uh, platform. So it's just an integration within that. But future rounds and slices of Grinder will have a different form of integration as we move forward and see what people want most mm-hmm. uh, from content. Because this is the first time that you've had content and geolocative services together right. um, because we do do things geotargeted. Like I'm trained as a geographer that's what I went to school for. So I think about things huh. in spatial, uh, in spatial so ways. People, so right now it's a platform where it's just you're creating the content. You, you yes. all are creating and not It's on a platform for other people's content? No. The way, say, it's all in-house. So we have a full team. Um, we have a team of 12 people in Los Angeles wow. in a newsroom there. Um, we have a contributor network of over 150 people so far that have contributed. Um, we do video, written, uh, every form of content. We have reporters. Um, like this week, Doug Jones's son came out as gay on mm-hmm. Into. Mm-hmm. Um, we have done the coming out of LCD Sound System, Gavin Russell. We do international reporting out of Chechnya. Um, so we have teams, we've hired people from Mike, from Rolling Stone, from other outlets um, that are trained reporters. Like Trish comes from After Ellen, but I was at The Guardian for years as a police reporter and a columnist doing investigative journalism in Chicago. So we all are queer journalists bringing that 
content to the app and we're able to do things from a Blake Shelton piece. We did this really popular piece about 50 men who are hotter than Blake Shelton um, that did really well. But we also can do pieces uh, that are here's what's happening in uh, Chechnya right now when we're talking to the refugees that have gone to Luxembourg. Um, So we're kind of, because we have to think about the global audience. We did something in Mexico City around like how do you have a Mexico City pride experience um, that isn't what is being catered to you in this one space. So we worked with writers on the ground and then we pushed it through the app in those areas so people could actually utilize it. So many days it feels like service journalism because mm-hmm. um, we're kind of, I always think of it as global uh, reporting but local delivery. So mm-hmm. when you talk about that, again, people are still, the use case for Grinder is meeting people, yes. men yes. meeting men, yes. essentially. Yes. How do you then turn that into a wider ranging kind of thing? Because yeah. they're not going to just, oh, I think I'll go to Grind. I, I would not even imagine getting my gay news from, I, oh, by the way, I want to get into that in the next section, yeah. like what's happened with media because- yeah. I used to get advocate and out mm-hmm. yeah. first advocate yeah. and then out every week. I don't, I haven't read it in years yeah. right. and years and, and years. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, every week, like and read it cover to cover. Yeah. Which, yeah. but now the stuff's available every. You just, you know, yeah, it changed. Yeah, it changed. Right. I think a, a huge focus for us is not um, becoming regurgitators of the you know daily sort of news. And the thing that we really want to do is besides creating our own. Um, specific like LGBT international, uh, you know, political and like, you know, lifestyle for a better, uh, lack of a better term. Um, I also come from a big entertainment background. So a huge focus for us is also not just, you know, reviewing gay movies or, you know, gay television shows or things like that. But um, just, we say it's seeing the world through a queer lens. So that's what we want to do with anything that you're talking about. Whatever's trending, whatever's hot, whatever's new, we want to present it to our readers through a queer lens. So um, that means that nothing is off limits limits for us because it's not gay or because it's not queer or something like that. So, um, you know, we're trying to hit all areas of interest because queer people are not, you know, we're multifaceted. People think that gay people just want to see one type of thing. And I know that I felt that as a lesbian, that people decide what, what I'm interested in. So, um, you know, my job is to, you know, hopefully curate and bring in people specifically part of my job is bringing queer women, non-binary people, trans people. I mean, we are, I'm just so lucky that we have a very diverse and inclusive, intentionally inclusive, um, mindset at into and I think people maybe a little I think they assume that because of Grinder and what it is, that it's just like a bunch of like gay men that just like sit around and talk about sex all day. But that's that couldn't be further from the truth from my no. experience. And that's actually at first, um, Zach and I laughed because we both turned down offers from Grinder at first because we were like, <laughs> this can't be this this isn't like, gonna be for us. About? Right. What like and this, yeah. and so, you know, it was a little bit of a hard sell, but um, you know, so far it's I've i felt very excited about the opportunity to be there because there's so much room for growth. And also queer women never get access to the kind of of um, budgets, um, advertising revenue, um, the kinds of things that we can benefit from. And so that's what I'm trying to impart to other LGBTQ women is that, um, yes, I understand that why you might be trepidatious, like Grindr is you know, the owner of this, but we are actively able to utilize these things for the betterment and the like more visibility of right. ourselves. And you guys live on the web and that gives you a, a yeah. really broad reach. I am curious that, you know, Grinder is an app where you say hi to somebody. If mm-hmm. they don't like your face, they block you. Yes. So I'm really curious what it's like when you give them a notification saying, hey, here's a meticulously reported uh, article about the experience of queer women in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And you have a bunch of guys <laughs> yeah. like sitting around their apartments looking to hook. Yeah. They're like, you know what? Forget about like, hooking up. This? I want to <laughs> get inside yeah. of the Georgian queer mind Why right now. Why are you the only person I think that would do that? 
I, well, yeah. I, as they said, I have many facets, Kara. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's new. It's so new. We had a t- conversation the other day with Roy Moore. So we. So something that with brought, Roy Moore. Not with about Roy okay. Moore. Sorry, not with Roy Moore. <laughs> Gosh, sorry. Thank you. Um, but something like as we both said, like at the beginning, we were like, why grinder? Um, but reach was the biggest thing for me. And when Roy Moore was up for election in the special election, we realized that oh, there are like thousands of grinder users in Alabama that mm-hmm. may not be voting this round. Mm-hmm. So why not we do this really uh, intense, well-reported piece about why Romori is really dangerous and we blast it to Alabama, which mm-hmm. would hit like at least 10,000 users, which was like kind of in the, the 20, difference. 000. Yeah, 20,000. So we have like a big base there that we can maybe swing. Presumably all the gays are voting for Doug Jones anyway. But um, we saw that a lot of people around the world, when we blast it worldwide, weren't interested in that. Mm. Um, and we have very real conversations in editorial We're very. How do you judge that? Uh, click-through rates. Mm-hmm. So we see anywhere from tens of thousands of people to hundreds of thousands of people click through the content. Um, that's how within the first two months of launch, we were number three most read LGBT site in the world. So mm-hmm. we're up there without the advocate immediately, right. just due to Grindr's immediate reach. Um, and we're seeing that people either didn't want like the content, they hated the reporting, or they don't want to see Roy Moore in their app. They locked, mm-hmm. well, they logged yeah. on at six a.m. to see another sexy. man. Um, so we're doing a lot of A/B testing. Well, the around. one outfit is nice. Yeah, just uh, mm-hmm. leather thing is. Nice. <laughs> but we're doing a lot of A/B testing around time of day, so people log on to Grinder maybe in the morning because maybe they're wanting to meet someone for sexual relations, for coffee, for something later that day. Um, so we have to test like what are users looking for in the morning, and what about in the afternoon? What about regions? So when we launch something at six a.m. Pacific time, that's actually like late night in London. In, what type of content goes there? So we are literally like being cartographers around mm-hmm. publishing and our fa- editorial. That's um, and that's what we talk about all the time is that like it's really about space, place, and queerness and what type of queerness. Because um, we have to think about like our Western Africa users when they get content. Like what they, they don't know what it's like to watch Will and Grace. So we can't push that over there. Mm-hmm. And so we have to think about those things. Um, and I think that's really why when people say, why is Grindr getting into media? Is that we have all these people that know what Grindr is. They sit on it all day. They are kind of looking for some type of connection. Something else. So we're like, oddly enough, this is just what I was talking to yeah. Evan Spiegel about. It's like, we've got them here doing this. Yes. Let's, Let's see expand. what else they yeah. might want to do. So we're testing right. it and yeah. we listen to them. Um, and what's interesting is that they're responding to things I didn't think. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you want to listen Are, to one more? Okay. We're going we're gonna to talk about that when we get okay. back. We're here with Zach Stafford and Trish Bendix, the editor-in-chief and managing editor of the digital magazine Into. It's a queer lifestyle magazine published by the dating app Grinder, And I'm here with my co-host, Casey Newton from The Verge. For one last ride. (laughs) If you're enjoying this interview, then you should check out one of our other podcasts, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Peter, who did you talk to this week? Kara, you'll never, actually, we'll guess who we talked to. Who? You, Kara Swisher. That must have been fascinating. We learned about your net worth. Yeah. Your stroke. Yeah. Sex life. No, No, you did not. Did not discuss that. Do not. That is Other interesting things, though. Yeah. Although that's interesting, too. Let's have the Sex Life podcast next year. No, 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 and no. All right. Well, I got a year to work on it. You were great. Thanks for coming. And you can hear more of this delightful banter for minutes upon minutes for Thank free. Thank you, Peter. Over at Recode Media. See ya. You can find Recode Media on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We're here in San Francisco. I'm with Casey Newton, the Silicon Valley editor of The Verge. He is my co-host. The last four weeks, the, the time last is, the one. Time is going too I'm fast. training Kara. him for his new podcast, which is coming up called Converge. 
it's going to be a working process. Yeah, it's going to be insane. It's going to be insane. It really is. All right. You're going to look forward to this one. Okay, good. So anyway, Casey's trying this. So he's trying some podcasting out. And today we're here with Zach Stafford and Trish Bendix, the editor-in-chief and managing editor of the digital magazine Into. It's a queer lifestyle magazine published by the dating app Grindr, which is an unusual thing. We are, we are, we are both perplexed and <laughs> fascinated to hear why. So let's talk about that more of what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you, again, what Casey said, it's clear. You, you're on there for one thing and you're trying to shift them to something. You're trying to essentially take advantage of your audience and make them yeah. want something else. I'm, um, I'm wondering, is it, maybe it's like a consolation prize. Like, hey, that guy you want to hook up with, he's not coming over. But you know what we do have? <laughs> Information about the Alabama Senate race. Yes, <laughs> works. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's like talking points well, for when you meet adjacent, someone. It's right. adjacencies. It's yeah. adj- because I don't like fire up. At, so mm-hmm. you're number three behind Advocate now, right? There's still... Uh, yes. How do you look at them as competitors, both of you? I'd love to hear. That's a sensitive question for me because oh. I... Um, I <laughs> I was the editor at large of Out Magazine. Okay. Um, I love them dearly. I see. Right. Uh, I look the editor at large. Editor at large. So I report to the editor in chief. Okay. Um, so I was brought in to help diversify um, what a lot of the magazine looked like. Who was coming there to attract yeah. new people? They were under fire for being too white and too yeah. straight. Yeah, um, so I yeah. came in from the Guardian. Was like, right. let's try these things out. Right. Um, but I think Out and the Advocate are really great. But they're very um, segmented in the types of content they each produce now. Uh, so as they've grown, the Advocate's become very news, uh, which it always really was. was Yes, it was always really was. And then, and so then the celebrity interview. That was celebrity right. interview. And then out a celebrity in fashion. Um, uh-huh. And then it's very male-oriented. There isn't a lot of diversity in gender or sexuality or geographies. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't as expansive for a digital landscape. And that's why I think they're really, them. for both of them. So yeah. they're tripping up because people demand, like with Teen Vogue's rise, people love that you can go to Teen Vogue and get fashion news, breaking news, video, everything. So people are wanting a lot in one space. And those two are such iconic spaces that have only done a few things. Well, what, what, what is the benefit of being... You know, iconic today. I don't think there is any. I may not be anymore. I mean, in terms, <laughs> if you ask advertisers, maybe not. Uh, yeah. But it's. I mean, it for me, it's really important to look backwards to see what queer media has done for us, um, because we many days we just tell queer stories and we're looking to see what has been told and what has not been told before mm-hmm. and who we've given space to and we haven't. So we see a lot of our roles expanding that space, which a lot of those outlets were not as expensive as people want now. It seems to me too, there's also a question of age, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The advocate and out are probably targeted at much older consumers. You you, you mentioned that you guys had a story about Doug Jones' son uh, last night, uh, or at least I read it (laughs) last night. The headline is, Doug Jones, openly gay zookeeper son is more than your thirst trap. Uh, (laughs) Probably not the headline that the advocate would have (laughs) written, right? I mean, I don't want to misrepresent. We definitely have some sexy stories. (laughs) Like we're not all political. You know, there is- I don't even understand that headline. Did you someone like- uh, uh, Zach, could you please explain the thirst trap yeah, to Kara Swisher? I can. Okay. So what happened with Doug Jones' son is that he had never come out publicly and a few hey. other blogs started outing him because he posts thirst traps, which are photos on Instagram that are meant to attract sexual inclinations or messages. Or just comments saying, yeah. damn, you're hot AF. Yeah, like yeah. all this stuff that can on slide Instagram. into my DMs. Yes. Okay. So we led into that because he didn't know what a thirst trap was, but he right. was like all over the internet being called a thirst trap. Um, and he's a zookeeper from Alabama that lives in Denver. That's the father is now the most famous senator in America for right. the moment. Um, right. So we knew that our readers skew very young. They're mm-hmm. millennials and uh, readers uh, love headlines that are really snappy. We mm-hmm. learned that a lot from Jezebel mm-hmm. and uh, Gawker. Mm-hmm. Um, so we fuse that. So it gets you in and then we have this really deep profile of a young person that has been thrust into the spotlight and now has to talk about being gay because his dad was mm-hmm. in this special election. Um, so that's working for us. All right. But we, uh, yeah, thirst traps really do well for the young people. Right, so I think maybe just like a little bit of a 
younger mentality in terms mm-hmm. of how we approach content than maybe um, the advocate and out. And also just as a queer woman, I feel like the only time I really see myself in the pages of out is when they do their um, out 100 oh, yeah. because then they're like, we have to throw some women in there. We can't right. just all, do all men. So um, I get on that I, list a lot. I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I feel like when I was there, you were on the oh, list. Yeah. <laughs> I used to get on all the power couples because they had to find a gig. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. See? They didn't know what they did when right, they got so, divorced. So, <laughs> so they'll be like, like okay, what damn, woman that was can we pull one. in here? You know? It's, yeah. And so it always feels like the women are an afterthought at those places. And so, um, again, my concern was for that also at Grinder, but, mm-hmm. the, you know, luckily so far yeah. I have not felt that way. And so um, Zach has been great in helping me to make sure to commission just as many women writers, if not more lately. But you, yeah. but I can't imagine, I don't mean to be rude to gay men, but I don't think they're very interested in lesbian issues, right? right. Well, they're so not. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're not. not. No, you're, you're incredibly right. I'm very true. Trish and I, I live go in the Castro, I know. Yes, yeah. you, you get, yes. Yeah. And so what something I, I've reminded some folks, I think I said this at an editorial meeting, and I don't remember if you were there yet, but I said, you know, what makes us really special, and it was mostly, it was before you were there, it was mostly gay men sitting in the room, and I was like, you know what we get to do every day is we get to push content in a place where people go to for desire. Mm-hmm. And I think as a person, desire is a great place to start changing people's lives and changing how they think about the world. And I was like, and if we can produce content, I call them th- thoughtful thirst traps. Mm-hmm. So when you give someone a hook that's like a hot guy doing something, someone interesting, and get them engaged and then use that moment to f- turn it and make them think about the world more broadly, um, we're helping change desire. And that can help us do a lot of great work around sexual racism, where people on the app are feeling rejected because they're black or Asian. We can actually produce content in the app, and we do this all the time, where we show like a person that isn't super muscular as the object of desire when someone opens up the app at seven in the morning. So for me, I find that to be as someone that used Grinder a lot as a growing up in my 20, early 20s, I, I think that is amazing that we could do that with content. And I think that's what we get to do with even lesbian content on the app is be like, hey, I know you don't go to this usually, but like here it is, it's knocking at your door. Engage with it, maybe. Give it a try. Let's talk about that issue. Uh, something that I wanted to talk to you about, because you guys are clearly very thoughtful around diversity issues and mm-hmm. inclusion is really important to you. Um, uh, Grinder is the app that I've seen the most racism on of any app I've mm-hmm. ever used. Yeah. Um, constantly, people in their profiles will write, no Asians, no blacks, that kind of language. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, uh, it's tremendously upsetting to, to me. Um, mm-hmm. I've uh, doled out many a block to, to those kinds of guys. Um, but why is that language like still persist on the app and, and what what else do you think Grindr can do about it? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think with sexual racism on the app, um, Grindr being the first and the biggest, people started replicating a lot of the language they found. Um, so as a black person, I saw that a lot growing up in the South. You hear one person use the N-word and they get away with it and you see it keep happening and happening and happening. Uh, digital apps, because they're like uh, they're kind of like uh, billboards, you mm-hmm. see how one person's doing something and you're assuming they're successful because they keep using that language. Um, so they keep perpetuating it many times. Other times people do see this app as a place where they can really voice their very unsanitized desires. And people do really not want to be with black people or Asian people, uh, but we need to bring them to a place where they interrogate why. Um, and I think we at Grinder, we have a, our customer service team does respond to issues around racism or other deflammatory or derogatory language when it's used to attack other people. So we do intervene in there to work with folks. Um, but we get into produce lots of content around sexual racism, how, how to talk to people who are gender nonconforming and you want to hook up with 
them or you want to engage with them in a relationship. So we see our our task as editors to really engage those people because they are getting that content every day. Um, and that's where we see the most kind of hate mail is when we launch a piece that says like, here are X men of color in Hollywood that you need to know. And we see a flood of messages uh, from to the, to the writers being like, why would you do this? I, you know, I, I don't like this because I don't like men like that. I don't like being called problematic. I don't like having all this stuff happen. Um, so people are, it's funny, people are willing to be really racist on the app, but they're also really willing to talk about it and kind of defend their, their stance. Um, so we launched a column called Ola Papi um, that is by this guy named JP Brommer. <laughs> I know, that's such a... T- t- um, and it was the first column we launched and it runs on the app on Tuesdays. Um, mm-hmm. And it's written by a guy named JP Brommer who's pretty popular on Twitter and he's a uh, Latinx. And he we field questions that people send mostly through an email that we send on the app where they get to ask questions around desire and romance. And it's very Dear Abby style. And we get so many messages a week from Grindr users around the world. Um, so we use that as a space to let people say things like, you know, I don't like black people and I'm white. Am I going to, am I a racist for that? And we put it in yes. the column yes. and we the blast answer it. Is yes. The answer is yes. Yeah. Um, but we have the conversation um, yeah. and we get to have it very, like, very transparently on the app, on the website and all that. So it feels good to do that. Sometimes it feels like a, a form of like reparations as a black person who's mm-hmm. been rejected by every man on the app who's like, I don't like black guys. And I'm like, Haha, now you have to read my content. <laughs> So talking about that, does having more diversified content, does that mean more diversification at what Grinder is, essentially? Yeah, I mean, yeah. do, do you, is there going to be a, a lesbian version of it? This or? is the question we get asked all the time. Oh, all the time. Yeah, yeah. And people pitch Grind Her all well, there the is, time. Well, there is a her. Yes, there's yeah. her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, She's lovely, the woman who's yes, the entrepreneur who created it. They're yeah. lovely people. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us right now, having a lesbian-specific app isn't on the table. Mm-hmm. We have recently expanded the user features of the app to be more gender-inclusive. So so there was a lot of headlines recently that Grindr's now for straight women, and that wasn't necessarily true. We just changed it to where you could self-identify your gender um, in a really expansive ways. So you could be cisgender, you could be gender non-conforming, you could be gender fluid, you could fill in what type of gender pronouns you want it. Um, and that was not because we saw more trans people or women on the app, it's because they're always been there, and Grindr, as a company, we've never acknowledged them in a public way. Um, so we worked with Jen Richards, who's the Emmy-nominated uh, writer, actress behind this, uh, this website called Her Story, thank yeah. you. Um, and we worked with her and other people like Peppermint from Boss Drag Race to kind of change the app and promote language around it to get people interested in knowing that this works. Let me get back to this. Is there going to be a woman's app that you would hang on? We are not working on a woman's app, but we are working on partnerships that will make sure that women feel included and receive our content directly. That's all we can really talk about right now. Put your content on other other apps, so Mm -hmm. more than other places. Yes. But not, why isn't there a a grinder woman's app? I mean, her is in many ways, um, but women... No, no, why isn't there one from Grindr. Oh, oh Grinder. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, like they haven't, as, as long as I've been there, they haven't discussed moving into that space. I think that they actually really respect her for having that space. And mm-hmm. um, I, I'm not sure what else we can really talk about at this time regarding that sort of thing, but we, <laughs> we are. We just are doing one right now. Yeah, we're working on it. <laughs> the lesbians will read. They do, yeah. yes. So in terms of content, yeah, yeah. yes, content, we are, yes, we are producing content and trying to figure out ways to get content in ways similar to Grindr to yes. lesbians. Mm-hmm. Um, but Grindr as an app isn't becoming a lesbian app. Um, we have left that space for her really to kind of explore. And, I think and even how they designed it is very different. And Tinder, yeah. for sure. And Tinder. Well, yeah, I mean, and I think that, you know, queer men and women, we, as, for as much as we have in common, we also are very different. And I think yeah. that um, there would be, Grinder is really does a really great job at what mm-hmm. it does. And I think that they want to make sure that we are 
you know, capitalizing on yeah. the things that we are strong in. And then we are going to partner with other people or work on partnerships with other people yeah. that are doing that. that but job. you're not creating content that's just grinder audience. Right. So just, what do you mean? Like just content? Meaning if you're just doing content of grinder audiences, I could guess. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. That's what everyone thinks. They see Mashable did this article the other day called How Grinder Yes, Grinder Launched the Best Magazine on the Internet. And it began talking about with, you know, you'd expect it to be this way, but you go to it and it's nothing like you thought, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of how we think of the app in many ways. If mm-hmm. you go in there, it's like, sure, you get this one picture, but you can also like have a lot of different types of experiences. Um, but it, it's just different. And like bringing up the female version of Grinder, we had a conversation with the Her people the other day because we talk a lot as a, within this tech space of dating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking to Robin about how just the design of her has to be very different than Grinder. Like mm-hmm. lesbians were not as interested in a cascade. They mm-hmm. wanted more of a profile where you had a more expansive place to talk about yourself and you had more safety around your geolocativeness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that in my own work as a geographer during research was that women weren't as interested uh, due to gender and violence and how spaces were yeah. thought of um, like gay men were. So like the apps have to respond to that. And Grinder has a system currently that a lot of folks within a certain part of the gender spectrum really respond to. Um, and that's why hers become a great space and really fast growing. I didn't realize how big they were until the other day. And they've done it in a very different way mm-hmm. than us. So let's uh, finish up talking in this section about Tinder. Yes. They don't have a media anything, right? They're, They're flirting with it right yet. now. Yeah. <laughs> They're flirting. Flirting. Yeah. So talk about them, how you look at them. As look a, at them. Um, I see them as like a, a brother. They're everything, right? They're they everything. Everything. They're everything. You know, make, it really plays with my self-confidence. They're everything. <laughs> but everything. they have Urgent. been having issues lately uh, with trans women being yes. uh, kicked off of their... Really? Because there was such a big deal when they when they announced like they, they have the most gender categories right. I think of any app. But so why are they can still report them? I mean, yeah. we just wrote something about this. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, so there, there's like there there issues um, that I did when I was at the Guardian. I did a whole series on this, and it was about their flagging systems. When you respond and say someone's like a different gender that shouldn't be there, they immediately block them after a certain amount of. Oh, it's kind of like Twitter. Yeah, like Whatever Twitter. Same. Like after you hit someone a few times with complaints, it just disappears. So they're trying to work through that, and we've spoken with them, and they're figuring that out, which is great. Um, but with Tinder, they are all-inclusive of everyone. Um, currently, with content, they're not pushing it in-app. They are working with celebrities um, to do content on their website and their social media. Um, but I will not be surprised if they move into this field, too. Um, we do, I mean, Tinder, Grinder. we do a lot of similar things. They do in-app advertising, we do in-app advertising. So we kind of do this dance together. So I'm, I can't wait to see what their magazine's called. It's not going to be into, mm-hmm. it'd be called... Douche Bro. Douche Bro. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be called yeah, here. On the lesbian side, it'd be like, do you want to have a threesome? Like, that's what <laughs> lesbians hate about Tinder. Um, oh, gosh. Oh, Sean Rad. How yeah. you doing, Sean? <laughs> How's it going over there? <laughs> oh, but seriously, that's how, it, you know. Yeah. 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 It's very transactional. Yes. Over there. Yeah. How do you look at the state of media right now? I mean, in terms of, because we were, Casey yeah. was just making that note. I mean, uh, something I think a lot about is, kind of social media's impact on on publishing, mm-hmm. um, seeing how like everything's measured around shareability on Facebook and then how Facebook can also block that. So it feels very that you put all these resources and time into content, but then you can't control who sees it or how to get it to people. Um, so that's always been a concern of mine before I came to Grindr. And that's probably why I came to Grindr is that we can actually, we kind of step over that hurdle of social media. We can be right in someone's phone immediately. Uh, but so media just feels 
like kind of in flux and not around the content. I feel like people are doing amazing stories. Like I see some really incredible journalism at websites, even like the outline or Washington Post, but it's just getting it to people has become the hardest part. And I saw Mm -hmm. that at Out Magazine. It was that Out Magazine has continued to do really cool stuff, but no one picks it up anymore. Right. There's so much now, you know, it's just like television. You don't have enough time to get through all of it. And that's so frustrating because there's so, there are so many missed opportunities because even with our own content, you know, we have, we run like, we can run 20 things a day Mm -hmm. and how many things can you have an, uh, on the front yeah. page at one time. Right, but talk about how you deliver that information because yeah. I do, I think, I do look at the Snap, Discover stuff. They've actually, they've sort of turning a corner on how mm-hmm. people consume them or how people look at this stuff uh, mm-hmm. rather than just yeah. read a text. I mean, because I think today it was, I was reading the Everest piece in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. I wished it was done a different way. It sounds crazy, but I loved the visuals <laughs> mm-hmm. that were on my phone. But then the text was sort of like, I felt like, I don't know how they would have, done it differently but it was it was sort of a weird combination and I really enjoyed it and I kept thinking how would you do this in a mobile only mm-hmm. mentality how do you think like that Trish first and then you in terms of making stories because you can't just do your typical skeins of text exactly I mean like um, you know right now we're working on something that we're launching tomorrow that's going to be a completely different look from something that we've been doing that's going to be much more magazine style um, we're working with our developers to try to play around and see you know it has to be Mo- as mobile friendly as possible because so much of our re- readership is mobile, you know, especially from Grinder, it's just the direct to mobile. So um, I think right now it's uh, it's really interesting being so new because it's only been around now for three months, like it's online for three months. So we're really testing a lot of different opportunities. But for me, I just think about what I respond to best, what I like best. Um, and also we have been doing a lot of, um, what with Roy Moore, we also created a video that we then ran in our social and it was on the app too, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. The Roy Moore video? Um, and seeing, you know, what, what that click rate is through, you know, with um, some basic facts about Roy Moore. We pulled exa- directly from the article about how terrible he is. Does that do better than, you know, just posting an interstitial that just has, you know, like a picture of him raising his finger angrily? You know, like which of, which of these lots are of those. people? Yeah, yeah exactly. So wh- what are people responding to the most? And so um, luckily our social teams are also millennials um, who are very good at having their finger on the pulse of those things. And so um, that's the balance I think is trying to, to do serious journalism, but delivered in this like sort of fun way in which people are still going to be attracted to it. And, yeah. and is the idea that uh, the the kind of core app with its subscription fees and advertising will be able to subsidize Into Forever or is Into going to kind of uh, become a sustainable business in its own right? The goal is sustainable business in its own right. Mm-hmm. Um, we are attracting new advertisers with Into. I mean, as you can imagine, Grindr had a very smaller pool when it came to advertisers being ad-supported because um, only specific people thought about Grindr in this way. And Into's allowed us to expand it a lot um, and also be able to get a lot of different people who may have not advertised on Grindr now to advertise on Into and kind of push that through the world. Um, so that's kind of changing on the, the revenue side of it. Uh, it's a different model of thinking uh, to have these two kind of properties working together around traffic and a media space. Um, So that's, so yeah, it's its own like kind of person that stands alone, which (laughs) can be scary at times. Yeah. Um, But in terms of like mobile, you're talking about engagement of media. I think a lot about the fact that like most of our content is read on a phone Mm -hmm. and there are are tests, like I have so many screens in my office now and I like drag, I have like certain screens open that are the mobile phone views of Intu. Mm -hmm. And I think I scroll through and like hold my breath sometimes to look at graph breaks Mm because we're breaking graphs in more like a print news way Mm -hmm. where while sure this text would in a traditional magazine form 
going to be really thick paragraphs, like a few, five, six sentences. We're doing one sentence graphs because the phone is such a smaller space and you have to think about attention. So it's like as you scroll, as I'm actually scrolling my phone three times, I want to maybe take a break. So maybe a, a GIF pops there or another piece of artwork or how the artwork can be something that you play with. So it's kind of feels like childlike in many ways that you're mm-hmm. giving someone a toy, a few toys and making them stay in one place space while touching the same type of stuff. Um, so I'm always looking at my phone and I remember being at the Guardian, they launched a mobile at lab and that's what all people were talking about. I was like, how does, how do you tell a story when you only have a few inches of digital space? Um, because when you get to these long form pieces, people get tired of that. Mm-hmm. Like you scroll these amazing New York Times magazine stories and it's like, my thumb's going to fall off after a while. Um, it's not. So, you know, it's, I know, it's not. But it's, and there's but it's of, a mentality. I definitely was, fatigue. Yeah. I think people have this weird thing about reading and engaging in content. No, I stopped reading the New York Times piece. It's really? like, I'm done reading that. I did and I want, I'm like, yeah. I know I'm interested in this. Right, it doesn't matter how yeah. good it is sometimes and that's yeah. what's frustrating. It was real good. And you also have other notifications going on yeah. so you have to like deal yeah, with Yeah, you know what I did? I'm like, I think I'll go to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on on Twitter? I didn't what's know because it was so easy to, yeah. it's so easily consumable whatever Definitely. you think of your yeah. business model. It's, it, mm-hmm. it's, the way I'm responding to things. Mm-hmm. I almost don't want to write anymore. I just want to write tweets. But even like threads That's, on Twitter, I'll find myself, you know, getting bored after like six yeah, of yeah. the tweets. And then yeah. I'm like, okay, I don't want to read the rest of this. I got the point. Yeah. yeah. This sort of gets to what I want to talk about with the time well spent stuff. So, you know, if you're not familiar with time well spent, there's this guy, Tristan Harris. He was a former design ethicist at Google. I think he's been on your show, Kara. Yes, he has. And, uh, and, and one thing that he did to try to understand how people feel about the way that they use the apps that they do is that he asked them to use this app called Moments. So they've got, you know, tens of thousands of people who've been logging how much time they spend in various apps and then how they feel about it. And so I went to the site to visit and, and to my great surprise, saw that Grindr was number one both in the amount of time that people spent. So uh, you dropped a stat earlier that with, with the, the people who use this app, it was actually 71 minutes a day that Grindr users were using it. We're going to update everything now. <laughs> <laughs> 71. Yeah, uh, but, but less but happily. None of them were good. No, but, but here's the twist though, is that 77% said that using it made them feel unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I could understand that as a former Grinder user mm-hmm. myself. Grinder mm-hmm. is this slot machine where you open it, and sometimes there's messages from beautiful people who want to meet you, and sometimes there's nothing, yeah. and you're kind of on this Ferris wheel of just up and down and up and down and up mm-hmm. and down. And sometimes you're having these great experiences. Sometimes you're having really bad experiences too, right? So it goes back to high school here. Yeah. Oh, totally. It can feel so. Wait, like high why did you take it off? I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Why did you take it off? I was tired of that Ferris wheel. Mm-hmm. I was tired of feeling Ferris wheels like are the never app fun. Yeah, Never but fun. The the app had a control over me that I felt uncomfortable with. Uh, it, you had to check in all the time? Uh, because, you know, it was constantly lighting up. So I, I wound up paying for the version that actually lets you get a notification Grindr when you extra. get a new message. Yeah. Um, so I helped pay for the launch of Intu. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so the, the phone would light up. It's, you know, it's lighting up while I'm at work. And, you know, a lot of these messages are frankly not work appropriate. And so half, <laughs> half of your mind is like elsewhere while you're trying to like work on a story and I finally thought like I need to to get off this this Ferris wheel um, and when I saw that stat I thought wow like, like this is wheel. clearly an issue yeah it's a hamster wheel this is clearly an issue of uh, for a lot of folks mm-hmm. I, I should like not to be a complete hypocrite I should say that I did eventually uh, download Scruff so I have Scruff <laughs> on my phone which which is a similar app and it, ha- and it has some Trainer. similar Trainer. issues um, for whatever reason it just feels a little calmer but I think about you know deleting that mm-hmm. too all the time uh, but but the larger issue that I wanted to get to was just this issue of the 
way that these apps can have a negative effect on self-esteem. Mm-hmm. They do make a portion of their user base feel bad. And whether that's something that you feel like you can reckon with at into, because like mm-hmm. whether you're at Grindr or not, I think it's undeniable that Grindr is changing the gay community. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's something that you feel like you have the space to explore mm-hmm. or, and whether that's something that you feel like you can maybe work on improving. In the sort of like of working app. at Facebook and suddenly yeah. they start the next greatest journalism. I, I have a problem working there because yeah. I was being funded by... Yeah. Then again, I worked for Rupert Murdoch at one point, so I shouldn't speak. See, it's <laughs> I left as soon as I could. Always in the no, I left as soon as I could. <laughs> um, I know. I really appreciate you asking that. And I guess as a Grinder user, a longtime user, as, as a journalist that wrote about Grinder, now someone that's the editor in chief of Grinder, um, I think about that every day. I I I was in a bar in New York recently. It was right after my job was announced, and I people, a lot of friends were talking about it. And I looked around and saw all these golden. You, you've been in the gay bar. You see men check it because it gets gold on their. Face. And I realized that I was like, I now am tasked with pushing a, a magazine cover content to every person at moments like this um, when they're on there looking for love, for sex, for a moment of pleasure, something. And it weighs on me maybe more than my, I want. My therapist probably gets mad about it. Um, <laughs> but I think it's a great site to do that work to kind of begin changing that that kind of favorability or how much people, the experience someone's having on the app. Um, because we keep going back to it. Like, why do we keep going back to this? What are we looking for there? Love. So Love, yeah. Love, something, connection, yeah. something. And I'm willing to, I think every day we're trying to explore what that something is. And some days it is uh, RuPaul doing, dropping a music video on Grindr and we're helping that. Some days it may, it's not Roy Moore ever. Um, it keeps coming the joke. Um, but as a gay man- Still hasn't conceded. Uh, yeah. yeah. And he still hasn't dropped his music airs. video. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But I think we some of the content we are doing is helping change that. We get messages from people. I was in Iowa recently. Uh, we were shooting a short documentary um, outside of Des Moines, and a young trans woman who was at a college, a local college there called Drake University, mm-hmm. that's it. She came to me and said, you know, I just wanted to meet you because I know that you're the editor-in-chief of Into. And I was like, you know what Into is? Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I read it every week on my phone because, you know, here there's not a lot of grinder users, so mm-hmm. I notice the messages. Um, and she's like, and it's a nice change of pace from a bunch of older men trying to tell me I'm not trans or why am I a woman mm-hmm. that I see trans content on yeah, here. Yeah, I remember the same thing when Megan was running Planet Out. She's mm-hmm. like, we got I get two percent hate mail and ninety eight percent love. Yeah. It was right. It was, you know, it was the difference because yeah. a lot of people would reach out in areas of the country. Mm-hmm. I remember they had a certain amount of members from Vatican City, for example, probably mm-hmm. all of them. But yeah. um, it was interesting, like yeah. places you couldn't be. A, they had a lot of members, yeah. and it was it was at the time it was a lifeline for so many people. Yeah. And AOL for sure. Oh my gosh! In the chat, in instant messengers. In the chat rooms sound. before um, instant messenger, even before that. Oh yeah, chat, the chat rooms, rooms. Yes, it yeah. was really critical to mm-hmm. start to. And they were the first company. Interestingly, tech was the first first area to welcome it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Apple and others. But it was Yeah, like, and I think that's what and we're... And not shy away, not think it was controversial. Exactly. Right. And we're, I think that's what we're tasked to do every day is think about, like, I grew up on the chat rooms. That's where I met the first boy I ever hooked up with, the first mm-hmm. boy I ever dated, all these mm-hmm. things. So I think about those every day with Grindr because we, since we're global, we have to deal with, um, we deal with things in Egypt with entrapment and police. We have to think about the safety of the users there in Chechnya. Um, and now content's interwoven in that. So we, right. we do know this rejection is a huge thing. Um, so we're thinking about the layers of experience because every day it's just a person logging onto an app trying to find something and now we have to give them some written work. Right, especially like, you know, we're lucky enough to live in LA where there's plenty of opportunities mm-hmm. to meet people in the flesh and plenty of, you know, opportunities to see other people like ourselves. But I always try to remind myself of like getting outside of that bubble and going back to, you know, the, the me that grew up in Michigan and if I logged onto 
her how many lesbians I would have mm-hmm. access to around me. And, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that that person, that that Michigan lesbian would, um, you know, be, feel a little more validated and not necessarily, you know, down on herself. And I understand like dating is always like, there are it's parts of it where <laughs> you do not feel your best. I understand. You'll find love or marry me. And why do you think I'm doing this podcast? It's yeah. one or the yes. other. I'm either going to get some fan mail and get married or it's you or and it's me, Swisher. And me. <laughs> there are couples that have met and married on from Grindr. So All right. there so is I, I should say, I have been to a Grindr wedding. They're oh, happy. They have See? Been. They're real. Grindr. They're yes. a grinder wedding. I've been to a grinder wedding before I worked at Grinder. Everything I say is always like before Grinder, yeah. I did this. So I want to finish up talking about the yeah. what works, what content works. Um and then we'll finish up and if uh but what does work? Is it still celebrity yeah. stuff or celebrity? what? So why don't you each go through what sure. you think works? You no, I mean, I, I publish more on the app. So if you want to talk about the app side, I can talk. Okay, go ahead. You start. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, celebrity works. Um, any famous person on the app will click through. Uh, people click through. So anything shirtless, hot, and someone famous, people are interested in. Like who? Um, like Daniel Newman from Walking Dead did something and we had over a million hits immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, that does great. Um, drag queens do really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so RuPaul Drag Racers will do stuff on there and that does well. Um, we know that content that's regionally specific does really well. Um, so we did a piece on drag queens getting banned. So it was a double, drag queens in the South. So there was this town in Tennessee banning drag queens. Um, and we were tipped off because I'm from that county. And we did one of the first national pieces about this ban happening. So we published it on Into, and then we pushed it to the Southeastern region, and it tipped off the ACLU. Wait, they banned drag queens? They tried to ban drag How and bars. You? So it was putting it you as can't. it was putting it as um, adult entertainment, and then this town didn't allow for adult entertainment. It was some craziness. That is a mistake. It's crazy. So we... I wouldn't want that right. to happen to a town. They don't know so what's coming for we, them. So when we, when we drop the scale of content delivery to places where it's newsworthy, so it operates like a local LGBT newspaper, high click-through rates. Um, so in Alabama, high click-through rates. there aren't any more. Yeah, there's not. So we find that we're Washington stepping into that space. Washington. Yeah, so we are stepping into that space of being like, oh, this area needs to know something, so let's localize it. So you're like next it. door for gay. Yeah, right. there we go. Exactly, yes. that's the goal. Yes, yeah, for me, I mean, it's I've done a lot of um, celebrity-driven things, and that's hopefully what I'm going to keep doing with um, Into because um, inevitably that is you know what people are going to gravitate to, and then hopefully they stay for the rest of the things. But what I also what I really have just tried to do with my own career, whether it's been freelancing for other places because I've written for like Elle and Vogue and other other like more mainstream places that are now getting hip to the queer inclusion thing. They're like, oh, you're the lesbian, you can write the lesbian thing for us, you know. <laughs> so um, what I try to do to approach it is what is the thing they're going to read here it into that they will not get anywhere else. And so that's what I mean about writing it through a queer lens or through a queer view is having something. And it's not like asking, like I've read at other gay publications, like who's your girl crush? Like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, actively speak to something that's m- more queer, even if it's not like, um, so tell me about a lesbian kiss you had in this television show five years ago, because I've done that. I did that at After Ellen. We definitely did that. But now that I've done that, I want to do something bigger than that. And so um, my my hope is that, you know, we just did this great interview with um, Guillermo del Toro for mm-hmm of how queer the shape of water is. And so, you know, there's so many different angles and aspects to things that maybe you wouldn't read in a, you know, mainstream magazine. um, Would you do a Star Wars then? 
Oh, we did. We did do something. We did. Yeah. Uh, but how we to. do this column called "But so How much gay going on? So much. Yeah. So we do. A, we do a weekly column called "But How Gay Is X Movie." So every week the new release, <laughs> and we do an analysis of like what's. We have a film reviewer do it. So it's like things like that. Like queer people can read every review at the Times uh, for like uh, the general. But if you want to know like how much gay kissing is going to be, how much of myself am I going to see? You can yeah. come to Into and see that. Yeah. Um, and that stuff does well. And the, and it, we've realized even the authorship does really well now that everyone has a digital presence. People want to see that their community members actually writing it and behind it. Uh, so we do a lot of commissioning and I'm seeing like even the, in the past few weeks, Trish has brought in so many queer women writers and I'll be on it, Twitter and see like an Into article going viral for some reason. I, I would have never thought about doing this. Um, and it's amazing to see queer women who've not had any space kind of running to grinder. But it's not, it's not the same themes of, uh, I, I, for some reason the other day, someone put up the Ellen clip when she came out, yeah. which was a huge moment yes. from a media perspective. Sure. It was really, it, it chilled me when I saw it. I was like, oh, I remember this. Yeah. Like, it was like fascinating. There's no moments like that anymore because, no. yeah. you know, what? Do you, so what do you do then to distinguish? Because everyone, like, I don't necessarily want to read the gay take on everything, although I would read a gay take in movies. Like, right. You know, like, yeah. I mean, that's the thing too is like, you know, us being multifaceted people, like I happen to have a very gay job and so my life is very gay. Mm-hmm. But most gay people don't go and be gay at their jobs all day. You know, mm-hmm. like they live a pretty like heteronormative life otherwise because that's the way the world is set up. So um, I like to think of us as the, the place that you come to that you would be able to see things through that queer lens, but not in a hitting you over the head type of way. Like there are like even just the Ola Poppy mm-hmm. like column, it's it's gay, but it's not like overtly gay. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's a sensibility, not a, um, you know, we're going to just make a bunch of like insidey baseball, like gay yeah, phrases and things. We're not like super campy or cheeky, but yeah. some of the gay outlets like queerty.com is very cheeky. We like, we have a travel section and we send writers to go to X city and they may not even go to a gay bar, but the fact that they are queer and moving about the city to me makes it queer content. Um, and that's kind of the space that we're trying to build. So sometimes it's the cheeky, like how gay is Star Wars, but mm-hmm. the other days it's how to go skiing for the winter with your partner and you don't go to a gay bar at all on that trip. So yeah. we just are here. We're it, still thinking. Go ahead, sorry. It, well, it also sounds like there's just a lot to be done with uh, like people who are transgender mm-hmm. or yeah. gender non-conforming. Like there still are margins of society so that much. are underrepresented. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it sounds like, and this is actually fascinating to me, and I think it's mm-hmm. great that um, one of the ways that you can differentiate yourself is just by being willing to go out on the margins where mm-hmm. even more mainstream publications still fear That's to right. tread because those yeah. spaces still exist. Definitely. Right, yeah. 100%. We have several non-binary and trans contributors. Yeah, and we did, one of the first pieces we commissioned was uh, we sent a writer from Western Texas up to Oklahoma to go visit um, a moon dance, the two-spirited people. Huh? Um, and it's a, it's a dance that they do once a year under a certain moon. Um, and we sent an illustrator because we couldn't photo- photograph oh. it. And no one else would invest in this writer oh, sure, doing yeah. that. Um, and I was like, well, that has an audience with us. It could be a long form essay written by indigenous folks that's queer and we're going to respect um, that we can't photograph. So let's find ways that work with both of us. And it's because right. we know what it's like to be exploited and taken advantage of. So we were every day or maybe too sensitive about certain things and we're willing to work with people to find And that it space. seems like you're writing a lot about safety too of people because that's one of, of which I think probably might not be welcome on, a, on an app where everyone just wants to have well, sex. For like, us. Because like, well, let's just, 
underscore this. Yeah. It's very unsafe for most gay people around the world. Exactly. Like that's the one thing. Everyone, everything's become so normalized. Yeah. And there's gay mm-hmm. people, everything. But like, oh, they, I, people are really excited about that because we. So for us, we have this thing called Grinder for Equality, which mm-hmm. operates outside of the editorial arm, and that's led by uh, our colleague Jack Quintana, um, and that specifically uses the app to alert people around safety issues. So we mm-hmm. he oversees all of the the programming and content that goes to places like uh, Egypt to work right. on like, with the activists there to figure out how to get them in safe spaces, how to get the resources they need. We do HIV programming through it, all of that. But a lot of that's not very public facing because as you've noted, a lot of people don't want that to be, they don't think of Grindr only in that way, but a lot of it's about the safety of the user. So we can't mm-hmm. tell them about the tactics in which we do to intervene in police entrapment. Um, but in the p- places that people want that information, they do choose to co- opt into it. So mm-hmm. we always give people the option to opt in or opt out. So with the content, you can press an X or you can press click here. Um, but it depends on where you're at. In New York, people aren't as interested in safety. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there was a an outbreak of an STI in New York and we did an article informing people, I think people would click in. It just depends mm-hmm. on where you're at in your day and what mm-hmm. you're looking for. Yeah. Um, that's good. That's good. That's Anything good. else, Casey? Um, no. I he's th- signing up for Grindr right now. Yep, yeah, he's downloading. Are you? See it. Is this going to make you go back? <laughs> I can, do want love I after I do all. consultations <laughs> of how to make your Grindr profile the best it can be. Oh. Really? I would, systems you, of, actually, for, that would be great if maybe you could leave us with a tip or two. Yeah. yeah. Tip or two? Yeah. My biggest tip for any online dating, yeah. don't lead with your best photo. You always want to get them with the number two. So you hook <laughs> them with number two, which is the kind of like the cute photo, you on vacation, is maybe a little distant. Wait, I don't understand. So I've you, never done online so dating. So you know how like, you, you know, I'm sure you can think of the photo that's just like bomb for you. Like the photo that you know you look so good in and right, someone no, would click okay. on. Yeah. So you think about it a little bit. So you have that one photo. Think of the photo that's right below that mm-hmm. and that is your profile photo because if you start there at two, right. then you hit them with number one, which is like the really hot photo. Yeah. Then you have their attention because then they're going to want to see more content, want to talk to you. They think things are only going to get a little better. Oh, um, I see. So, so that's, bad photo. So not bad photo, like <laughs> second two. tier photo. Number, number two, two photo. Okay. Then that's my big advice. All right. One other. Um, Trish, you have to have one. Oh my God. I'm a serial monogamous. (laughs) She's I'm always in a relationship. Um, What's another one? Um, Point out something in the background of a photo. So a detail. Mm -hmm. So if someone's running, well, not too creepy, like, oh, hey neighbor, you're on my block. But like someone has, uh, they have a certain type of dog. Begin the conversation there. Begin a conversation uh, uh, about the t- the T-shirt they have. But it also depends on what you're looking for. Because um, if you're looking to have a real conversation, then that's where you start. If you're just wanting a quick back and forth and maybe to hook up with someone, then you can just say, "Hey, or sup." That's mm-hmm. easy enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Can't My tip change. for women, I will just say that, like from what I hear from women that use apps, everyone's afraid to make the first move, and so mm-hmm. I think that women mm-hmm. just need to just. Get just make yeah, the freaking it. move. Like there, we're all too afraid to be like an aggressor, or like to put ourselves out there and to be vulnerable until we get in the relationship. Then we're vulnerable as hell. Yeah, online dating, you know, can't just, turn it off. It's the way things are now, right? Online dating. You've never, you've never online dated. Never. Oh, why never. not? Because everyone just wants to go out with me. <laughs> No. I want to be careful, sure. Right. Yeah. No, but yeah, seriously, I have life. never done it. I don't know why. Maybe I missed the thing. I just never did. Also, at at one point, I know it sounds really crazy, but I, I'm too famous for Tinder. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you know what I mean? Raya. No, well, exactly. Yeah. No, but it, I am. Get Raya. No, I, I, Raya, I don't need to fun. date. I'm going out with someone, but... Oh. <laughs> But, I'm like trying to get you in a poly I, No, no, I've been not single since I was 
sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So let's just see. Well, if you ever become single, call us. No, yeah. but here's the thing. I, I, I do think about that. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't, because someone's going to pitch their freaking company to me. Like, yeah, yeah. like it yeah. Will in a certain group of people. Yeah. If like, I get pitched to all the time on the apps, you're definitely getting pitched yeah, to Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you're so definitely. So uh, a friend of mine who is very famous celebrity was like, I'm too famous for, I can't online date. Mm-hmm. And Raya. I was like, I know that, but even then those are kind of douchey people. Yeah, I really agree. Yes. I did, I'll do very short story of Tinder. Barry Diller, who owned, was one of the owners mm-hmm. of the company, they had had some features. So he's like, you got to go on and look at this. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> and I ne- it was the beginning of Tinder. And I was like, all right, I'll go. I knew what it was. And I said, okay, I'll sign it. So I signed on and I'd been used to, I'd covered the other online dating services. I had covered the controversy around the anti-gay one. What was that one? I forget. Uh, Match.com? One E-Harmony. Of, E-Harmony, right? Yeah, I had yeah, written right. about that. And then he reneged and apologized. Mm-hmm. And so I'd written about the area. So I, I knew I'd written about the business of Match.com. And so I went to look at it and I signed up and then I realized I was just on it. Like I'd been in these, the others, you just were there and could look at people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this one was live. And then all of a sudden it downloaded all my Facebook pictures, none of which were good. Yeah. Uh, Do you know oh, what no. I mean? Yeah. And then I was live on it. And then I, I, I started getting met. And then it was, it was odd because it was goth women, young millennials from the Castro, goth women, and older lesbians from Oakland. And yes. that's the groups I got. Oh my God, that's amazing. And I was like, what? And then I didn't understand left and right because this was early, early. And I was like, what's going on? And then I started matching people. Oh my yeah, God. This is and the least persuasive Kara's ever ever told that she accidentally swiped <laughs> right. right on like 900 people. Right. Somebody's exactly. out there like, oh, yeah. I keep matching. Me. I don't know what's going there on. So what's many, happening? There's so many lessons out there with a uh, Kara Swisher broke my yeah. heart story. No, but, <laughs> but, it was, but the thing is, I was married at the time too. And I was like, I'm married. Oh, I'm no. a and I'm really well known. And I was like, ah. and I literally was like, what the fuck, Diller? Like, what the hell? And I like, like I deleted the profile immediately because I just didn't realize it was present immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just hadn't been. This was early, yeah. early on, and oh it was God. really. It was that was my entire. Oh my gosh, I'm stressed <laughs> out for you with that. Story. I know. That's it was like, so, I was like, ah, like it took me. And a minute. some of them do keep you on there for a while. Like I know in my last relationship, I my Bumble was still live in Boston. Wait, Bumble's for women, right? No, they have a gay. Gay, oh, right, gay okay. men can be on Let's it, and uh, people would text my ex about it all the time. He's like, Zach's on Bumble in Boston. I was like, Zach's in L.A. That's not yeah. possible. Oh <laughs> well, well, there you have it. Anyway, that, this has been riveting. I'm very, we're very excited to have been here with uh, Zach Stafford and Trish Bendix, the editor in chief and managing editor of the digital magazine Into. It's a queer lifestyle magazine published by the dating app Grinder, and you should check it out. Where do people check it out on Grinder or Intomore.com mm-hmm. and Grinder. Okay, uh, yes. and most people do it through the app, right? Is that correct? Uh, it's a, a majority do, but they do through social media. All social of, media. Social's all into. All right, mm-hmm. and if there's any suggestions, you just go there and you can yeah, see. Yeah, go oh, there yeah. and pitch us if you have stories. Yes, please. Yell at us on Twitter. All right, <laughs> and I want to thank Casey Newton, my co-host. This is our last... What a long, strange what trip a it's long, been. Strange, and it, conti- it will continue to be. Yeah. So, Casey is the Silicon Valley editor of The Verge, and he's going to be host of the upcoming podcast, Converge, which is going to be coming to you, and apparently it's insane. It's, I- yeah, we're, it's as it develops, it keeps getting new bells and whistles and widgets, and oh, I'm, no. I'm getting pretty pumped about it. Were you in a meeting today about that? Yeah, like came yelling. straight from that meeting. Yeah, because you were yelling in there. I have a lot to say. Uh, really? Okay. Yeah, I, will, <laughs> I will not be silenced any longer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, dear. Anyway, thank you so much, Kate. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And Zach and Trish, thank you. Thank it was you. great this talking thank to you. And thanks for coming on the show. Um, if you enjoyed the interview as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, uh, especially the ones I did with Casey Newton of The Verge. We have interviewed Daniel Gross from Y Combinator, Groupon founder Andrew Mason, and Megan Quinn from Spark Capital. 
all riveting. Total all-stars. All-stars. Um, you can find all those interviews and many, many more in whatever app you use to listen to this or on our website, recode.net slash podcast. If you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find the show. Now that you're done with this, you should check out our other Recode Radio podcast on Recode Media with Peter Kafka. You'll hear no-nonsense interviews with some of the smartest people in media and entertainment. I also host Two Embarrassed Ask, along with Lauren Good of The Verge, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from all of Recode's live events, including the Code Conference. Keep an eye out for Casey's podcast, Converge, which is coming soon. The Verge also has several great podcasts for you to check out, including The Vergecast and Why'd You Push That Button, which is my favorite name for a show. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of Recode Decode. And thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here at my usual time on Monday. Tune in then.